jump into the message here this morning, and we're in this series that is called Change Your World, and it's the life of Nehemiah, and you can read about him in his own book that he wrote, his own memoirs, it says. We read last week is that, that God wants all of us as Christians to be able to make an impact and change the world around us. Like, I think it's no more of an appropriate time than right now, is that this is not a time for the church to run and to cower and to hide, but for us to actually step up. Now, we may not be able to gather together in groups of 100 or more, but that has never stopped the church, right? If you guys remember and you look in the history, it's like times of persecution and troubles and trials actually are the times when the church thrives the most and the most people come to Jesus because the church actually gets to be the church, not just go to church. Can I get an amen for that? Like, we don't just go to church. It's not a place we go to. We are the church, and we have something to step up and to offer this world. And so the series on Nehemiah is exactly that. Like, let's do something. Let's, like, live like Christians. And right now, when people need hope, we should be the ones bringing hope and help and generosity and love. And so that's what we're learning here today about Nehemiah in this series. And last week, I talked about how God uses ordinary people. And I don't mean that God uses ordinary people as, like, a a second choice or third string. He actually specializes in using ordinary people. Like he actually, on purpose, it says in another part in the New Testament that God uses the foolish. Is that, is that me? Am I making echoing sounds? My mics are all off. Here's what, here's what God says. He uses, he uses the weak and the foolish to confound the wise. In other words, God specifically chooses people that don't look that impressive in person because he wants to blow minds. He wants everybody to go, how did that guy do those good things? And God wants to say, that's me. That's my power in him. We want him to get the credit that if God could use someone like me to be a pastor, God can do anything in anybody. And I love that. And so we're learning from Nehemiah that this is actually like a leadership book. And we're going to learn that ordinary people can do great things when they get a burden for something. Here's the summary in short, is the walls of Jerusalem, God's city in Judah, had been broken down for like about 140, 150 years. And the temple was devastated as well. The Babylonians came in, they wiped everybody out, they took everybody off into captivity, they destroyed the city of Jerusalem. Um, It's because the people's disobedience from God, they wandered away from the things of God, and God said, my hand of blessing is off you, consequences are just gonna happen. Invading Babylonians came in, conquered, pulled everybody away. City was in shambles. Temple got rebuilt, but the wall to the city was in rubble and ruin. And a city without a wall is a terrible thing because you're unprotected, you're vulnerable, that anybody can come along, they could loot you, they could like just demolish you. You have no identity. You're not really a city. You're just kind of living in ruins and you got your temple, but really they had no identity. And this was a tragedy because these were the people of God. These are God's people. And they're saying, man, we, we have nothing to show for this. Like, we, we serve the mighty God, but look, our city is really nothing. So Nehemiah lived about 1,800 to 1,000 miles away in Persia, and he worked for the king. And he saw the need for, for something to be fixed, the broken down walls of his people. He saw the need, and he said this. This is the kind of the premise to this series. Somebody needs to do something about that. Something's messed up over there. There's a hurt. There's a problem. Something needs to be fixed. And Nehemiah decides... Well, it might as well be me. And Nehemiah steps up and does something crazy, rebuilds the walls to Jerusalem in 52 days. It should have taken years. He rallied the troops 52 days later. Walls all around the whole city are built. So what we learn from this is that God can use normal people. Nehemiah, not a king, not a warrior, not a priest, not a prophet, cupbearer. Remember what I said about cupbearers? He worked for the king. Every day the king would be served wine. And 
Nehemiah was the guy that tested the wine to see if it was poisoned. If it was poisoned, Nehemiah would die and the king would say, better not drink that bottle of wine. He killed that guy, right? So Nehemiah's job was he's a normal, ordinary, low-level guy. He was expendable. He could die any day. But God used him because he said, I see a need and I'm going to do something about it. And great things happened and he restored the city. So here's how you and I come into play is that this whole thought of somebody has to do something and it might as well be me. That's the kind of the deal for us. Could I get the clock reset to maybe start around now? That would be, thank you, thank you. Um, and here's what I want you to get today. I want you to understand that every one of you sitting here right now, you're a leader and that God has designed you to actually lead for change in your world. And I'm not gonna try to pep talk you into it. I'm not gonna try to say, like, just say, oh, just, just well up within you and you can do this. But this is a, a biblical, practical thing that we could all understand that we learned from Nehemiah, an ordinary guy that became a leader, but he did it by simple things. I'm gonna give you three practical things here today that's gonna show you how to actually realize there's a leader in me, there's a leader in you. I can rise up and I can change my world and it's three simple steps. And so we're gonna talk about that right here and this is what I want you to write down in your notes because I think this is kind of the key to what we need to understand about leadership is a leader isn't someone who is the best, a leader just cares the most and goes first. A leader isn't the most skillful because some of us are like, I'm not a leader. The guy next to me, he's smarter than me. He's better looking than me. He's got more money than me. He's like way more talented than me. Someone should do something about that. And it's might as well be him. Not might as well be me. We're, we think that a lot about ourselves. We downplay ourselves. We look at what we got and we think there's nothing valuable. The leader isn't the best person in the room. The leader is just the one that cares the most about something. You see the burden you're going to do. You care about it. And then you go first. By very nature of the word leader means you must have followers. Otherwise, who are you leading? If you're like, well, I'm going to go and do this thing, but there's nobody following you, then you're not necessarily a leader because who are you leading, right? And so a leader is someone that goes first. You see a burden. You see a need. You may not be the smartest, but you got a heart that says, somebody got to do something. Might as well be me. I'm going first. And then other people get in line behind you. So I want you to realize that that's all it takes to lead. And we're going we're gonna to talk about three things right now. We're going to unpack the, the verses that we have here in Nehemiah. And we're going to see three simple things that he did that you and I could do today that shows that there's a leader in you that can change your world. Here's the first thing. If you're taking notes, it's in your notes right there. A good leader has a clear goal. In other words, what are you trying to accomplish? You see something, Nehemiah saw broken down walls to a city, but what do you see that's broken down in your life? Maybe it's a, a relationship, a marriage, and you're like, man, that's broken. I want to fix that. How do I help? My heart goes out. To, I have a burden for that. Maybe it's, it's something in your kid's school and they're like, they're lacking some supplies or leadership and you're like, I don't know, it just gets into me. Like, I feel like I need to do something about that. Maybe it's something in your family, something at work, something like you need to, you need to bless somebody with something. Maybe it's humanitarian efforts around the world. There's, there's sexually abused people and you've been through similar circumstances. So you have a heart to like, ah, how do we bring healing to those people? The marginalized in society, the people that are homeless or they're needy or they lost their job or people that have lost loved ones or, or maybe it's the, the sex trade industry thing that's going on around the world and it's, it disgusts you and it just moves your heart and you're like, there's a burden. But the first thing is a good leader has a clear goal. In other words, what am I gonna do about it? Like you can't just say, I wanna do something, I don't know what. A good leader says, here's what I'm gonna do. And here's how we see it in the life of Nehemiah when he told the king that he worked for, hey, my, my people are in ruins, the city is messed up, they're disappointed, they're hurting, I wanna do something about that. And here's what the king asked in that Nehemiah 2, 
Verse four, the king asked, well, how can I help you? And this is really interesting how Nehemiah replies, like his clear goal to the king. I want you to catch this and not miss this. Oftentimes we read something in scripture and it just, we read right by it. We don't think about it. We think about what the, the sentence is saying is important. There's a part in this sentence how Nehemiah answered that's really important. Now, now catch this. King said, what can I do to help you? And Nehemiah says this, with a prayer to the God of heaven, that's a part I don't want you to, to miss. With a prayer to the God of heaven, I replied, if it please the king and if you're pleased with me, your servant, then send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. Here's his clear goal. Send me to Judah. But don't miss that part right in the beginning where it says, with a prayer to the God of heaven, I replied. We're big on prayer in this church. We know prayer moves mountains. It moves things in our life. We can spend 21 days in prayer and fasting. We pray at the beginning of every service. We talk about you guys going home, praying in the beginning of your day, your week, your month. We're all about prayer. Like, you got to get God. Prayer is our first response on our last resort. Amen? Like, we need God's view on things before we get our view on things. But sometimes it doesn't have to be a long 21 days of prayer and fasting. Sometimes, as we see in Nehemiah, that God honors the little prayers that you're about to speak to someone. And it just says, with a prayer to the God of heaven. Like just really quickly before he opens his mouth, he's praying, God, give me favor with the king right now. Help, help give me wisdom right now. Lord, I'm about to speak to this guy. Do you know that, on, that God really honors those little short prayers as well? You don't have to feel guilty about the times when you're like, oh man, I gotta go meet with my boss or I gotta talk to my kids. And under your breath, while you're actually talking to them in your head, you're going, God, help me right now because I might say the wrong thing. Lord, I need some help. Do you know that God actually likes those kind of prayers just as much as he likes the 21 days of prayer and fasting? Just as a little side note, I don't want you to miss in scripture the importance of prayer. That as Nehemiah is about to ask the heaviest request of the king ever, send me, let me have time off work, let me go do this thing. He prays right away, right? Thing. So I wanted you to catch that thing because here's what I want you to write down in your notes. If your goals don't require prayer, maybe your goals are too small. If you have a burden to fix something in your life or in your world around you, and you're like, here's what I'm going to do, and if it doesn't require prayer, then God's going, you're not thinking big enough. Like, if, if you can't do something without my help, then you're not going to accomplish the great things that you could actually accomplish because you're going to be going on your own strength. So Nehemiah goes, I got to ask the king this thing, but with a prayer to the God of heaven. If your goals don't require prayer, I think your goals are too small. I believe that in my own life. So he cry, cries to the God of heaven, but then he gives a very clear goal. I read this, this quote this week about clear goals and that you should have a clear goal in mind. Don't just say you're going to do something if you don't really know exactly what you're going to do. Listen, there's a famous baseball player named Yogi Berra, and he said this, if you don't know where you're going, you'll end up someplace else. If you're a Christian in life and you're like, I just want to bless the world. Oh, how are you going to do that? I, I don't know. You're never going to get there. If you don't know where you're going, you're going to end up someplace else. You need to be focused, have a simple plan, no distractions. Now think about this. Nehemiah had a lot of options as to what his goal could be. His dilemma, the walls of my city are broken down and they need to be rebuilt. But he had a lot of options. He could have said, I'm just going to raise money. I live a thousand miles away. I can't really do much. I work for the king. I'm going to raise money. I'm going to I'm going to do a bake sale. I'm going to sell Girl Scout cookies. I'm going to make some musubis and we're going to sell them and we're going to like, like make some money. I'll send money over there. They can repair the walls. That would have been a cool option. He could have raised money. He could have said, you know what? I live over here 
I'm a cupbearer. What do I know about rebuilding? I'm going to call a general contractor, a construction project manager. I'm going to get the right guys. I'll just hire them and send them over there to do it. Isn't, are, these are good options, right? This is like, it's like understandable. He could have even had the option of, well, I'll go take a trip over there, but not to rebuild. I bet I'm going to go take a scouting mission. I'll show up, kind of assess the damage, and then I'll go back home, and then I'll send money or someone else or whatever. He could have said, well, I'm not going to really do anything. I'm just going to cry for them, and I'm just going to pray for them, and God will make somebody else show up. He could have said, well, I'm going to go over there and correct them for why aren't you guys rebuilding? There's enough of you here. How come you guys are? I could scold them and tell them, you better light the fire. You better get something going on. This is all on you. These are all viable options that he could have had, goals that he could have had. But here's what he decided to do. And it's in the the last words of that sentence. Send me to Judah to rebuild the city. Is it? He was enough of a leader that he said, all of these plans of attack would have been good goals raise money, send a different guy, go over there and and give him a pep talk and then come back home. But instead he chose, here's my clear goal is send me, I will personally go. Remember what I said about leaders is they care most, they care enough and they go first. He said, I'm going to go first. I'm just a cup bearer. I don't even know what I can do, but I'm going to go. And this is my plan. There's a, there's a book in the Bible that's about a prophet that someone God spoke to to give words to other people. And it's called Habakkuk or Habakkuk or however you want to pronounce it. Habakkuk. I, I, I look at this and I, I get confused at the name Habakkuk because there's those two K's in the middle and then a K at the end. I feel obligated to pronounce both K's. Like Habakkuk. Yeah, anybody? You read that and you just kind of want to hit them both. But anyway, however you pronounce this guy's name, here's a word that God gave to him and then he goes, I'm giving you a vision, but make sure that you have a clear vision, that you have a clear goal in mind. And this is what he says. Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. In other words, when God speaks a goal to you, make it plain. Make it so clear that you could write it down that someone else could take it and run with it because it's very clear and concise. So in your life right now, if you're trying to change your world and you have a goal, make sure that you're not just going, well, I hope something happens with that situation. Maybe God could use me. But think and go, this is what needs to be done. Nehemiah's like, send me. I'll show up. I'll rebuild the city. That's my goal. So in our lives, when we're thinking about this stuff, how do we change the world around us is be specific. If, if there's some hurt around you in some area, know exactly what God is calling you to do. Now, let me give you an example is that there's ways that we can be a blessing to the world around us. And I'm trying to encourage you, the church, to find the burden, the thing that moves you to tears or moves you, your heart to say, there's a problem, there's a need over there. I want to do something about it. Here's my plan, how I'm going to be a blessing to the world. On the Anchor Church app, which we've put together, we put this part where you can click on Get Involved, and it says, Ideas for How to Change Your World. I want to try to feed you guys some burdens that are around us in our community so that you can say, I read through that whole list. There's something that really moves my heart. I want to have a clear goal. I'm going to get involved with that thing. And here's some of the things that you can find on there right now if you go to your phone is like you you can get involved in disaster relief preparedness. You can get involved with teaching first aid or CPR. Listen to this one. You can provide coffee and prayer for policemen and firemen. How cool would that be to show up with the police and the fire department, go in there, buy them Starbucks coffee, and just pray for them? Because they're, they're defending. They're meeting the needs of the people. They're, they need our support as well. What if it's something like just supporting missionaries? You can't go on a trip, 
but maybe you can drop some money in the offering to support the people that are going around the world doing stuff for Jesus. What if it's home repairs for the elderly or the disabled? Community gardening. What about this? We have a lot of military in this church. Sometimes husbands are deployed. Sometimes the single mom is at home trying to hold it down with all the kids, all the maintenance on the cars, the house. What if you just said, where's some moms that their husbands are out there de deployed and I can bless them and I can step in and help them get groceries or babysit the kids or fix something in their, in their house or something like that. These are ideas, clothing drives, blankets for the homeless, hospital prayer groups, hospital prayer visits, um, weekly activities for kids. What about tutoring? Um, providing hair care for cancer patients, elderly or low income. Um, there's just, we just put together a whole bunch of things and here's what I'm hoping, is that everybody in here would get some kind of a burden for something in the world and the community around them that you would go, there's a lot that I could do, but here's my goal. I'm gonna go tutor kids after school at Kapunahala Elementary. That you'd have a clear goal of what you're gonna do. But the first thing about leaders is have a clear goal in mind. Now here's something that I've decided as a leader, as a church pastor, that I wanna do to move you guys, my church, my friends, so that we would all be taking action in some way. So I could stand before God and go, God, I didn't just preach a message on changing the world, I provided a practical means for everyone in my church to go out there and change the world. And here's what we came up with. We printed up these bags that we're gonna give every single one of you on your way out the door here today. And this bag simply says, with aloha. It doesn't say the name of our church. We put our little anchor on there, but we're not trying to advertise anchor. We're trying to say this. I want to provide a way for you guys to have clear goals that you could do starting this week to go out there and change the world. And this is what we're gonna do with this bag. This isn't for you guys to go, oh, right on, I'm going to the beach tomorrow. Thanks for the beach bag, Pastor Carl. This isn't for, like, this isn't for you to put home lunch in and you're like, I got a cool bag or I can go shopping at Foodland, now I got another bag. This isn't for you. Listen to what this is for. This bag is for you to fill with whatever you need to fill it with to meet a need in the world around you, in your family, in your community, in your workplace, in your school. Any type of need that you see, what's something you can put in here to go give aloha and love to someone to say, God, I'm trying to see a goal and do something about it and to change the world around me. You could fill it with groceries and give it to people that are in need. They got a ton of kids, they're always hungry. You could fill it with um, gift certificates or cards to restaurants or things. You could even do homemade baked goods. You could do stuff like um, vouchers, your own handwritten coupons. You see a, a, a marital relationship that's struggling and you know that that husband and wife could go use a date night that maybe you could put in here coupons for you to babysit their kids while they can go work on the relationship together. I want you to get creative to put whatever you, some of you guys might just be thinking nothing more valuable than toilet paper and hand sanitizer. <laughs> Hook somebody up with that. Go get some of that stuff. That's like gold right now, isn't it? Go get some of that and just fill it up. But here's me saying, what are the practical goals that we could do starting this week? Can you imagine if, and I know numbers are down today because of the virus and all that, but on a regular weekend, we have about 2,200 people that come to Anchor Church. Imagine if, and I know some of those are kids and whatnot, but imagine if at least 1,500 to 2,000 of us all took bags and blessed 1,500 to 2,000 people or families in our community in the next couple of weeks. Imagine the good that that would bring. And then when you give the bag full of whatever it is that you fill it with, that you tell them, by the way, this bag isn't for you to keep. This bag is for you to pass on the blessing to someone else. You get creative and go bless someone else in this world. 
Imagine this little thing, this little idea that we could do that could be a huge potential blessing. Is that a good idea or what, guys? Come on, we're just, we're trying to think of good ideas that let's do something. We're called to do something. But here's the deal. Have a very clear goal. How am I going to make a difference in the, in the community? Well, I'm going to rally my church together. We're going to fill some bags and we're going to go out there and we're going to bless the world. Now, you bake cookies for someone and you bring it to a neighbor that you've never met before. The goal isn't that just you're going to feed them with cookies. You're going to show up and say, hey, I'm Carl. I live a couple apartments down. I just wanted to bless you with this. Um, I'd love to get to know you. Can I get your number? The whole idea is you're making a friend. It's bigger than just cookies. You're making a friend and then you're going, hey, you ever want to come to church with me sometime? It's right up the road. We're right over here. I can even give you a ride if you want. The idea is that you're planting seeds that are bigger than just maybe the cookies, but you're trying to go change a life. You guys get what I'm saying here? Imagine the, the, the generational impact we could have. You lead one person to Jesus Christ, the potential for them to bring their spouse, their kids, their, their grandkids, that you might have just changed the faith culture of that family for generations to come. This is a big deal. So I'm just hoping that you guys would understand. First point in being a good leader is to have a clear goal. You can be a leader this week, starting with that goal. Here's the second thing that's important. A good leader makes specific plans. If you decided on what you're going to do, here's the second thing that's really important is you got to define that. How are you going to do it? It's one thing to say, I'm going to go give a bag away. It's another thing to make specific plans. I'm going to fill it with this. I'm going to give it to this person. I'm going to do it by next week. I'm going to go do it like and get this. Like, What are the specific who, what, why, where? What are the specifics to it? Because if you don't define it, you'll never do it. You have a plan to go change the world, but you don't define it, it'll never happen. Details matter. So have specific plans. Here's this, this quote I read this week that I love from this guy, this French guy. And I'm going to try to pronounce his name right. He was a, a French poet and author in the early 1900s. And this is his name. You guys ready for my French pronunciation right now? Antoine de Saint-Exupéry. Huh? Huh? I'm pretty awesome. Let's just be real. Uh, I research. Here's the deal is I, I don't like to butcher people's names, and I know I sometimes do, but I always feel bad about it. And so I'm always like, you know that even in the Bible, like I try to pronounce the Bible places and names correctly because I just, I, it bugs me when people get my name wrong. Don't you get bugged when people get your name wrong, like teachers, or you go to the DMV, and they're like, okay, Carol Moore. Like, Carol? <laughs> What? You know, like, I hate when people butcher. So I, I go to this, this website that says Bible names and places pronunciation guide and somebody's speaking into it, into a speaker. And I'm like, I love being accurate. I don't know if that bothers you, but it bothers me. I'm OCD like that. I like, I like, so I'm going to go ahead and say Antoine de Saint-Arzupéry. That's the guy's name. But listen to the, the, more important, here's the quote that I love about making specific plans. Listen to this. He said, a goal without a plan is just a wish. Whoa, that's heavy. Let that sink in. A goal without a plan is just a wish. Never going to happen. Unless you define it, you're not going to do it. Here's another guy that said this really great quote. His name is Ben Franklin. Easy to pronounce. We got that one. We love his craft stores, don't we? Come on, Ben Franklin. But here's what he said. By failing to plan, you are planning to fail. That's heavy. And here's another guy that you guys might know. Uh, I think it was 16th president, Abraham Lincoln, right? Famous for, anyone? The penny, you're right. Um, his name is on the penny. <laughs> Civil War, all of that kind of crazy stuff. But here's what he said about planning. Give me six hours to chop down a tree. I'll spend the first four sharpening the ax. Like I'm going to plan out how to do it so I can do it the most effectively. And so gr great leaders are those that have specific plans. You don't not just know what you're going to do, but how 
You're going to do it. Here's what Nehemiah said to the king. The king with the queen sitting beside him asked, Nehemiah, how long will you be gone to do this? And when will you return? And after I told him how long I would be gone, specific, he knew a time frame. I'm going to be gone this long. After I told him how long I'd be gone, the king agreed to my request. And I also said to the king, more specifics, listen to this. If it please the king, let me have letters addressed to the governors of the province west of the Euphrates River, instructing them to let me travel safely through their territories on the way to Judah. And then please give me a letter to to Asaph, the manager of the king's forest, instructing him to give me timber. I will need it to make these request, or to make these beams for the gates of the temple fortress, the city walls, and a house for myself. And the king granted these requests because the gracious hand of God was on me. The dude was specific. He said, I'm going to be gone for this long. I'm going to need letters of protection from these guys because I don't want to get jumped or mugged when I'm traveling over there. And he goes, I'm going to need to talk to specifically by name Asaph, the guy that, that takes care of all the king's force, I need some wood. What do you need the wood for? I need it for the gates. I need it for the walls. I need it for my house while I'm staying there to live there to rebuild this stuff. He was all about specific plans. The Bible says in Proverbs 21, five, verse 5, careful planning puts you ahead in the long run. Hurry and scurry puts you further behind. And even Jesus himself said this about careful plans in Luke 14, 28. Don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Listen, details matter. Defining what you're going to do is is key or you're never going to end up doing it. Like you have to define, make specific plans. Change, true change is made by taking a lot of small steps over time. I'm saying that because I don't want you to think that you're going to go out there and have all the plans that all you really need to do to, to institute change is to know what your goal is and every day, just take one small step closer to your goal. That's a good plan for right now. Just write down what's your first step, and then what's your next step after that. I, I, I read a story of a marriage this week that was in my devotional reading, and it said the husband and the wife had been married a long time, and they were, loved each other, but they drifted apart. They're still in the house. They weren't mad at each other. They just lost the fire. They lost the spark. They lost that love and feeling. You guys know what I'm talking about? You guys there? No, don't raise your hand. It's OK. Um, but, we, but people fall apart. And they were kind of lost from each other. And what they did was, was they said, we don't know how to get the fire back. We don't know how to get the spark back. We don't know how to get back to a thriving, healthy, loving marriage. But the wife one day just said, well, I'm just going to take one small step and see what happens. So she wrote a couple post-it notes for her husband. And that when he wakes up the next morning, he gets ready for work, put one on the coffee maker, one on the fridge, one on his briefcase, just said, hey, I love you. I'm thinking about you today. Hope you have a great day. Simple, right? Well, he goes to work, she goes to work, she comes home and finds out that the husband, in response, had booked a date night and dinner and movie, and that they went out, they hadn't dated in years, and did this, and she said, that was the defining moment, but all it was was one simple step. She wrote a couple post-its, and it led to another step, another step, another step, and she said, the marriage is thriving, it's healthy, they're an example to other people, they're leading other small groups with other people, the, the things got spicy in the bedroom again, you know what I'm saying, like everything, all the way around, some of you guys are going, I need that, but anyways, <laughs> let's be real here, guys, we're in church, this is how we live our life, come on, right? Some of us, we need to, you see the problem, you feel the burden, what's your first step? What's your specific plan to say, I, I don't know all the plans. I can't change the world in one day. I can't change it 100%. I can't change it 50%. But what if I change my world 5% today by one small step? So we don't have to change the world all at once. Just take one step closer to changing. Some of us are like, I could never do tithing. I don't have the money. 10%, that's crazy. What if you started with tithing 1% very consistently? Got in the habit of like, 
Yeah, I can do 1%. That's only a couple bucks. I, I could totally do that. Here's what you're going to find. You take that first step and you're going to go, in fact, that's so easy. I bet I could do 2%. And then you're going to go, this is kind of fun to give to God and the needs of, of his house and his body. And I love being generous. I, I bet I could do 5%. And you're going to find that one step leads to the next step. And, but all it takes is what's your one step? Because that's a specific plan to get there. This is just a first step. You guys might say, I got bigger and better things planned and in mind. That's great. We're just trying to give you, here's a one simple first step. What's your next step? Because good leaders, man, they make specific plans. And here's the last thing we learned from Nehemiah. In, in chapter 2, verse 17, he had already gone to Jerusalem. He had assessed the damage. He had looked at what the job is going to require. He's like, I'm not really a leader. I'm a cupbearer, but I'm going to do something. He meets with all the rest of his Jewish uh, countrymen right there, and he's in Jerusalem, and he says this to them. He says, but now I said to them, you know very well what trouble we are in. Now, here's what I want you to get in this last point. Write this down. Good, a good leader inspires others. You know what you're going to do. You know how you're going to do it. But now you ask the question, well, who's going to help me? Because I can't do this alone. Because we're created as Christians, as humans, for relationship, for teamwork, for um, one anotherness, for each otherness. That's what the Bible has, all these one another's and each other's. We're created to be better together than we are alone. So I know what I'm going to do, specific plans on how to do it, but who's with me? Because it's going to take a little bit of effort. So here's what he says. You guys know very well what trouble we are in. Notice he didn't say, we know very well what trouble you are in. I live in Persia, so I'm not really over here. I know what trouble you're in. He doesn't say, "Uh, I know what trouble I'm in. It's not about him or them. It's about we, us, together. We are in trouble. So he's inspiring them. I'm with you guys, man. We're in this thing together. He says, Jerusalem lies in ruins. Its gates have been destroyed by fire. Let's rebuild the wall of the city of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. Let us do it. Not me telling you what to do or not you doing it. Like, let us do it together. And then I told about how the gracious hand of God had been on me and about my conversation with the king. They replied at once, yes, let's rebuild the wall. So they began the work. And here's what I believe when you're trying to inspire other people is, you don't necessarily have to be the most skillful, the smartest, the best, the, 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 the most equipped person in the world to get something done for God. Is This is what I believe. There's one word. Is that you have to have passion. You have to care about what it is that you're trying to rally other people to do. People follow passion. People appreciate passion. People will follow, like they're following Nehemiah because they're like, you're just a cupbearer, but the dude was a leader who cared the most and he went first. I'm here, I'm showing up, we're gonna do this thing together. You guys with me? They're like, well, we like this guy. This guy's fired up. This guy's all inclusive. We're in this thing together. This isn't, this isn't our problem. This isn't his problem. This is together, we're all one. This is like our problem together. It says, so they began the good work. Just remember this, is that you can accomplish greater things together with others than you can ever accomplish on your own. And number one, if your prayer doesn't require God's help, it's too small. But if your goal is like to get something done and you think you can do it yourself, it's probably too small. You're going to want to make a bigger impact, so you're going to gather the people around you. The Word tells us this in Proverbs 15, 22. Plans go wrong for lack of advice, and many advisors bring success. That means you get together and you got a plan to go do something good in the world, it's probably good to ask a couple other opinions because someone else might have thought of something that you never thought of, and you might be better because of it. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. So we need other people, but the way that you get the buy-in is be passionate, is share your passion. 
that, that passionate people, they don't have to be the smartest people in the room, but other people want to be a part of someone that believes in something and is all about going first and caring the most. There's a guy in the, in the book of Jeremiah. The guy's name is actually Jeremiah. <laughs> Isn't that kind of funny how that works out? But in Jeremiah, it talks about this guy who's a prophet and he speaks for God and he's telling people about what God wants for their lives. Some of them is encouraging things and some of them is like, hey, if you don't do this, you're going to get consequences. And so some of the things he's saying is you got to turn, you got to repent, blah, blah, blah. God's going to punish you if you don't. And he wasn't necessarily the most loved guy in the land because he was saying some pretty harsh stuff, but it was God telling him to do it. So Jeremiah's whole deal is like, God, you put these words in my mouth. You've called me to be a spokesman. Like I'm going to speak. This is my calling. The burden I have is that God is telling me I have to speak. And at one point he gets discouraged. At some point, we all get discouraged. At many points, I've been discouraged. God, it's hard to be a pastor. I don't know if I want to be a pastor anymore. It's taken a toll on my, my, my personal life and my spiritual life. And I've, I've got some tough, strained relationships with my parents. And I have an ex-wife now. And it's rough. But there's this other part of me that says, but this is what I'm called to do. And I'm going to step up. And I'm going to have passion for the things of God. And I'm not giving up the game. I'm not giving up the fight. Because greater is he who's in me than he is in this world. So I'm going to keep going. But I like Jeremiah, and I get inspired by him because here's the prophet going, I don't know if I want to prophesy anymore. People don't really like me. God, this is hard. And he considered, maybe I should give up. But listen to what he wrote in, in verse 9 of chapter 20. He said, I've considered it, but if I say that I'll never mention the Lord or speak in his name, his word burns in my heart like a fire. It's like a fire in my bones. I'm worn out trying to hold it in. I can't do it. Here's Jeremiah going, I could say no. I could see the burden. I could ignore it. And he's all, I can't, I can't, I can't. I'm passionate. I got to share his word. God's fire's in my heart. I got to warn people. I got to love them. All I know is this. If I was living in Jeremiah's day, back in the day, and I heard someone say that about the things of God, I would be like, Jerry, sign me up. I'm on your team. You're the man. You have fire, and I'm going to follow you. You guys get what I'm saying here? Here's a guy that's like passionate. You don't have to be the smartest in the room. All you right now, they're going, I'm not a leader. If you care the most and you go first, people are going to follow that. And you watch what God's going to do when you get together with your connect group, with other dream team. You know, we call our dream team team. We don't call you church volunteers. We call you team. We're all on the dream team together. Anybody serving or doing anything in this church, your team, because that word team is important. It matters that we get better stuff done when we walk in unity and we do it together. So who is it? that is sharing your burden, who of your friends or family has a heart for the things of God that you have a heart for, then rally them. And the only thing you need is to be passionate and to show them, I really care about this thing. And if you're with me, we're gonna do some big stuff. Let's go out there and do this. I know one of the, the, the strengths in my life is we've recently been trying to, to meet with people, smart business people, smart people that, that own our land that we're leasing from, things like that. And we're, we're considering how do we eventually get to the point where we can raise money for this new building and eventually we could buy off our lease and we could own this land for good, that this would be our temporary, we own this slice of this mountain so we could have legacy here. And so I go to all these business meetings and I'm the lead pastor, so I got to show up, right? Because I'm speaking for the church. But we, after one of these meetings, one of my friends who's an incredibly gifted, smart, genius businessman in Hawaii, he tells me, he goes, hey, Carl, you know what's kind of good about you is you're not a businessman. I was like, you think? I'm like, yeah. He goes, you really don't know anything about business. I'm like, no. And I'm like, thanks for pointing that out. He goes, no, that's what's so good about you is, is that you're not a businessman, 
but you lead with passion. You love Jesus. You love the lost. You love your community. You're trying to build a church that can house as many people as we can minister to. You're trying to own the land so that we have legacy for generations to come, that this ministry will never fail. You love God and you love people so much, your passion is what's good for you. Don't even, don't even worry about getting in the business room. Just leave that to us, Carl. Just keep your mouth shut and just love Jesus. You know? And I learned this years ago that the mark of a good leader is that you surround yourself with people that are smarter than you. So that's my key to success if you were ever wondering, how did Carl get ever up on stage? It's because our staff and our church council and many of you on the Dream Team, you're way better and smarter than I am at a lot of this stuff. And I recognize that. But you know what I got to lead with? Is I got a crazy passion for the things of Jesus Christ. And I've been through the ringer and I've been beat up and I've had a rough life, but I'm still here because I love Jesus, because I love people, because I love you, and I love all of your friends and family that don't know Jesus yet and our jobs to get them into heaven. So that's what I'm gonna lead with. And for some reason, the church keeps growing. And I believe it's not because I'm anything special, but it's because I just love God and I'm passionate. And people go, well, bless your heart, Carl. We're gonna follow you anyway. You know, like, like you love Jesus. We're, we're in, we're all in. You don't know business. You don't know that. That's okay. We're gonna follow you. Anchor Church is doing big things. Amen? It's passion. You lead with passion. So those three things is that you'd have a clear goal. You'd have specific plans in your life. And this last one that we just said is that you would learn to inspire others just by being passionate about your burden. So we're gonna pray that we'd get out there this week, that we'd go make a difference in this community. We would just do some impact for the kingdom. Guys, people need it now more than ever. People are looking for hope and for people that believe in something and they can stand on something. They're actually showing love and mercy to this world. So go fill these things up with toilet paper, hand sanitizer, rations, whatever you need to do. But let's go bless some people and let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for who you are. Um, We thank you for the calling you put on our lives to actually change our world. Help us to do that, God. Give us a goal in mind for the burdens that we see. Help us to to define very well the details of the plans we're going to take. And then help us to inspire other people that we can do greater things together than we could ever do alone. And I pray right now, Father God, that right now there may be some people that came in the service. Maybe you're sitting here today and I'm talking to you right now as we pray that you're someone that's never made a real commitment to God before. And I mean the biggest commitment, the one that that says, God, here's my life. I want to follow you. I want to be a Christian. I want to be in your family. I want to know about the hope of heaven. I want to be forgiven of my sin. If you've never prayed that prayer today, I want to give you an opportunity right now to do that. And how we're going to do it is I'm going to lead the prayer for you. So you don't even have to come up with the words. I want to pray the words that you would use as your words in your heart to God. You would kind of like take my words and apply it to your heart and situation. And that you would apply it to that and and that God would hear you and he would speak and he would honor that. And so this, the biggest step of God changing your world is is really giving him um, the room to move and the opportunity. And you're allowing him to be your God. And so that comes with a simple prayer. It's not a long religious routine. It's literally a decision of your heart where you just say, God, I'm letting you in. I'm gonna follow you all my days. And if you'd like to pray that prayer with me right now, that would allow you to walk out of this Christian knowing that you're a full-fledged child of God, adopted into his family, a Christian, saved by grace and not by works, saved by the faith in him alone, and that God has got a plan for your eternity. If you'd like that right now, and you'd like to pray with me, I'm gonna lead you in this prayer. I'll pray it out loud. You just pray it in your heart quietly to God. He sees your heart. He judges you on your heart. So if you'd like to pray this with me, I just want to know who I get the privilege and honor of praying with this morning. And so I'd love for you to let me know if you're going to pray with me this morning. No one else in this room is looking. Eyes are closed. Heads are bowed. But I'm looking right now. And if you'd like to pray this prayer with me right now to say yes to Jesus in the real, eternal, meaningful way right now, 
can you just let me know by raising your hand right now? I just want to see a show of hands if there's anybody. Good, I see a couple of hands right there immediately in the back. Praise God. Anybody else in here today is that you want to raise your hand and say yes to Jesus and all this plan? I saw a few hands in the room. If you're watching online, if you're watching in the courtyard or in the back kids' room, God sees you. I saw those hands that were raised. Praise God, and we're going to pray right now. And this is your prayer as you take my words and make it to God. God, I'm here today. I need you. I want you. I'm giving you my life. I'm saying yes to you for the first time in the most meaningful way ever. Lord, I really, really believe that that you are who you say you are, that Jesus died for my sin and my separation from you. And if I say yes to you and believe and receive all that you've done for me, Lord, that you're going to change my life, that I'm in the family. I'm forgiven. I'm healed. And you're going to walk through this life with me on into eternity when I see you face to face. I'm not even scared of death because I know where I'm going for all of eternity. So, Lord, thank you for loving me, accepting me, showing me how to walk out this new commitment and this relationship I have with you. Lord, thank you for being my God. In Jesus' name, the church said, amen. Let's give it up for some people that prayed that prayer this morning. Amen.